Hello, audience. Welcome to your daily F stars, S stars, C stars, other C stars dose. Man, I have a flippant, rotten mouth. I am a scoundrel. It's a good thing that I am challenging myself to speak in these vague swear words so as not to in any way demoralize or violate your delicate sensibilities. Hello. Do you ever wonder what scratch is? I don't mean scratch like the slang term for paper money. I mean when erect bipedal hominids say they would like to start from scratch. Did you ever wonder what the F-Stars scratch is? I say we start from scratch in a way as I have flirted, teased, and elicited wild reaction in the notion of talking in the present but also alluding to the past. I have wrestled with this conceptualization more than Ronda Rousey has wrestled with her own sense of self-worth. Being a UFC MMA fan that I am, I followed Ronda Rousey, hike up to the pinnacle, the summit of her career, and then down in a bumbling, tumbling, Jack and Jill fashion all the way to the nadir. What a ride Ronda Rousey was. I have determined that I will apply the past or my past or historical references to the present in my life examples, movie references, and personal accounts of yore. My brooding process on this goes as follows. Two thoughts come to mind regarding the power of the past to remain relevant. Some feedback I was gifted by my boy Lambro episodic eons ago was to try and stay as relevant and in the present time as is possible. I appreciate that. I also think of when you are interviewing for a new position or promotion, this idea came to me the other day, that when you're interviewing for a posted position, at least at my company, they did what was called the BBI or the Behavioral Based Interview System, and they required that your behavioral narrated examples be very recent or fresh. I take instant issue with this. What if you saved an F-star's life? What if you were plagued with a cancerous illness or invented a new serum or a new chair that both warms your A-stars and speaks self-affirming soliloquies to you while it warms your cheeks? What if you faced adversity, erased the problem, and aced the solution? Do they expect you to have a life-defining victory and vanquishing of a stubborn F-star's obstacle every three months? Give me a break. All that you have done from the moment of your first tree fall to your first tree fall claim as a claims adjuster shaped, sharpened, and subdued you to the reality of adversity. The past is pivotal in the present and the not yet accomplished. I think to a poignant conversation between Clark Kent, who as you all know is Superman, and Lex F-Stars Luther, who is one of the greatest archvillains of all time. On the groundbreaking superhero show Smallville, Clark asks, Lex, when are you going to be able to put your past behind you? Lex responds in typical Shakespearean Lex style. Look at the stars, Clark. Some of them have been extinguished for thousands of years, but their light is only reaching us now. The past is always influencing the present. I can't change that. All I can do is try to understand it. I will use examples, nuggets, observations, and testimonies from before, now, and I will wax futuristic as well. Podience, prepare yourselves. Let me whet your intellectual thirst with a few appurtenant quotes. The purpose of life is not to be happy. 
It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make some difference that you have lived and lived well. Ralph Waldo Emerson. My man Ralphie hit it right on the head because I did not find several of my white collar managers to be useful, honorable, or compassionate. They rarely were one of the three. And if they were all three, they were never at the same time. No one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. Charles Dickens. That quote right there touches on exactly the crux and the spine of this episode. If you are a proper coach or trainer, you are lightening the burden of another and you are showing them the light. The light for them to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps one day, for them to feel like they are not alone in this cataclysmically stressful situation of a new workplace, a new job, a new environment. You can be almost a parent guiding the chicks to safety and not into the mouth of a gator. Welcome to chapter 18, White Collar Black Belt, Wise Calm Coaching. Be a wise calm coach, not a no-brainer trainer. No tidbit is too minute or nugatory to broach and expound upon when you are coaching. You coach them on concepts large and fantastic, and you coach them on daily little piddly examples as well, because it's all part of the learning and it all matters. What good is it if you teach them complex calculus if they are unable to perform basic arithmetic? Something is going to implode on itself, like those old Vegas casinos that they imploded when they were no longer viable. Well-constructed, lavish, palatial haciendas do not simply have a stable roof with sightly Spanish tile. They have a punctiliously poured foundation with a secure home, all portions of the structure. Both what you can observe and what eludes your vision matters. This mansion metaphor applies congruently to the notion of coaching a colleague. You want to have a secure training regiment from top to bottom, inside and out. Oh yeah, you want that to work. And you want it to be something that's so effective. After you have completed training your colleague, they could in turn train a colleague. It's constantly teaching those to fish. And if I was fishing, I would love to nab a sailfish. That would be one of my life's meritorious moments. But I don't even fish. That's like wishing you won the lottery when you don't even play. I know my boy J-Dog plays the lottery. Man, I hope you hit those mega millions one day. You deserve it. Just from having to put up with some of the detritus. I don't care if they are a neophyte or a salty, dogged lifer three days from retirement. Your coaching roster will encompass a large, large swath of personalities. Imagine coaching Falsetto Prophet, dear audience. I am a personality, and I have a personality, and it is a gigantic personality. Think about that. Everyone that you would be coaching would be different, and that's by design. You have to bend to their will. You have to adapt, and you have to circumvent in a way to make it work for both you and for your mentees. On its face, you may be inclined to discern that teaching a knowledgeable, experienced homo sapien is easier than coaching an ignorant, wide-eyed pupil. This assumption can be, and has proven, erroneous. Erroneous, like Vince Vaughn said in the great comedy Wedding Crashers, you sometimes truly cannot teach an old workplace mutt new F-Stars tricks. I think of that detective Harry Bosch in that great Amazon show Bosch, he is smart, he is experienced, 
but he is an old dog, and he does not like to learn new ways. In some ways, they can be the hardest people to coach and train because of pride, because of a sense of experience-related entitlement. Like I said, everyone is different, so you just have to come to the party ready. You have to be ready to sip some wine. You have to be ready to down some stiff turpentine-esque shots. You need to be ready to do jello shots or drink some sake, both chilled and warm. You have to remain open, keep an open mind, and stay open to new experiences. That is the only way you're going to enjoy yourself at said party. Unless someone, you know, Bill Cosby's your drink or something. And then you're in a world of hurt. Pride. P-R-I-D-E. I feel like I'm a cheerleader at some rinky-dink high school. It was pride that cost Mr. Brad Pitt's wife's head as the sick twist slayer of the movie Seven was prideful of David Mills and his wife Tracy Mills' simple life. Pride in the workplace is a menace and infestation. We all suffer the pride of others and in ourselves. It can be sometimes an immovable obstruction to progress through. Just keep your pride in check and be mindful that some of your audience will be prideful. And that's something you're going to have to contend with. But keep your cool, dear audience. I am counting on you for the next time that you coach someone. I want it to be a victorious end. I tell you this for two, count them, two reasons. First, if you know the vile villain of pride, you can trim, tune, and customize your approach for your audience. And your approach should fit the pupil personality, like an Armani suit on Michael F. Starr's Weston in that breezy, delightful summer show, Burn Notice, one of my absolute favorite shows, by the way. Second, I remind you to take responsibility for the finished product. That is how you learn and compound your knowledge. What was the linchpin to your success? Those eureka high-intensity light bulb moments when your apprentice reveled in their own enlightenment? Why did things turn horribly sour and head south of cheese, as referenced in the movie Saving Private Ryan with regard to gangrenous limbs with someone you were coaching? If you detect a certain whiff of waspish from your mentee, be the leader, be the mentor. Exercise, wise, calm, coaching, and ask yourself if you handled all properly, wisely, and calmly. P-W-C. Proper, wise, calm. Think about it. You know what a no-brainer trainer resembles. You know. You know exactly what I'm talking about. In my former company, they weren't even trainers anymore. They were learning delivery specialists. I am a learning delivery specialist, and I deliver learning to a specialist. No, wait, I'm the specialist. Ah! It is a disgrace. I cannot believe that that even happened. And that's why it was worth mentioning now for the third time, delivery specialist. In the words of Lewis Black comedian, KISS MY D-STARS! That's what I say to learning delivery specialist. Whether they have no brain, as the hyphenated no-brainer would suggest, or if they seek a simple cookie-cutter, insipid, thoughtless box checking approach to helping others, I do not know about you, but I would like to be coached by someone with a passionate yet unperturbed personality, opposed to a perfunctorily indolent one. I am talking to you, you, you red-faced smoker, you lazy, bubbling, emotional bag of weak bones enveloped in a putrid sack of accelerated aging skin. Probably because of the smoking. But this guy would go out on about 400 smoke breaks, never at the desk, is also the architect behind the disgusting desk. When I talk about sloppy desk syndrome, this mofo had it 
and exercised it, coddled it, and harbored it. I do not miss working beside this disgusting life form. You were a terrible trainer slash coach, but that speaks to the uninspired style of management as much as it speaks to your singular stupidity because management put this person in that position. So they must have seen something that I failed to see. Or maybe he gives a really good interview. I don't know. This is not resentment, Pontiots. These are just honest recollections. I made a terrific F-Stars coach. I took pride in it. Not pride as previously broached Seven Deadly Synergy pride, but I took pains with my coaching strategy to ensure lasting effing success. Just ask my boy Druel. I took Druel under my wing. He was a great mentee. I was a great mentor. And we developed a very good relationship where we could get a lot done. He was a good listener and we got into a great rhythm. And I do truly miss spending time helping coach him as well as others. So thank you, Druel, for being an apt F-Stars pupil. Quotes. I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. Mark Wahlberg portraying Staff Sergeant Sean Dingham in the fantastic crime caper, The Departed. When you have wit of your own, it's a pleasure to credit other people for theirs. Chris Jami. That is an excellent point. I took a lot of delight in being able to give proper credit to those who were worthy. Coaching a perspicacious, cooperative, and genial colleague is a jewel-encrusted treat. Enjoy those moments like you enjoy diving for a Vaseline-greased watermelon dropped in the deep end of your community pool during your youthful golden skin summers. Relish it. It does not come around as often as you would like. And when you coach recalcitrant, crusty curmudgeons, see them as growing pains in your own learning. Painful, but fulfilling. They say that when child teeth at a young age, that is the most painful natural biological occurrence for all humans. I've heard that obviously pregnancy in women or a man passing a kidney stone. I have been told that teething is more painful than all of the above. And the children, of course, cry for hours on end as a result. But it's naturally occurring. See it as a natural, painful, but fulfilling experience. We all like to have new teeth, don't we? I sure do. Allows me to eat carrots and have perfect vision. Have you ever seen a bunny rabbit wearing glasses? I haven't. Carrots equal perfect vision. Know it. See it as a way to test your patience. One good thing that comes out of wartime conflict is that our nation gets to test its weapons and troubleshoot them. Pun F-Stars intentional. Troubleshooting our weapons. Conor McGregor, the club-fisted leprechaun, celebrity mogul, trash talker extraordinaire said, I never lose. I either win or I learn. In fact, it is that quote aside his GQ suit-wearing silhouette that I have framed on the wall beside my Chemohawk Sessions station. It serves as a daily reminder. Sound wisdom, undoubtedly. Never resort to cliched emotion. Slice the emotion out of your coaching prerogative with the same dexterity you would slice off a jellyfish tentacle wrapped around your thigh or your private places. This is where the calm portion of the coaching comes in. Remain calm and emotionless. You're allowed to get excited, but don't get angry, irate, or frustrated and confused. Do not let that appear on your face or otherwise. Also, don't overanalyze. Just be the better person. Walk the higher path. You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Speaking of Pulp Fiction references, as Jules Whitfield, a.k.a. Samuel Jackson, dropped that little Kane in Kung Fu nugget, you want to be the wolf 
In the words of the wolf portrayed by Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction, it's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. Just because you are a character does not mean you have character. The wolf was one of the greatest personifications of cool I've ever seen in film. He was wise and cool. He would have made a great coach. A, B, C, always be cool in your coaching sessions, regardless of the slight or the heckler you may have to contend with in your audience. I coached my main man, Druel, and it was the pinnacle of my workplace. Pleasure, using what I knew and applying my experiences to his inchoate ones. Drewell crafted a nickname for me. He called me Marshall, as in Marshall Mathers, Eminem, someone who spoke quickly and always dropped the truth on you. I appreciate that moniker, Drewell. That was a solid one. Inchoate reminds me of two criminal justice terms that will also apply to your wildly successful coaching. Inchoate, to be in the beginning stages or underdeveloped stages of. Think of a crime as it is a law term. Oh, you purchased a mask, a fedora, and some fake buck teeth, and you will be the new Hamburglar, but you have not yet accosted anyone. It is a legit shiz criminal justice term, and so too does it apply to training, because you have to remember that your mentee is in the inchoate phase of their understanding of the material, so you must be patient with them as they continue to grow and develop. The second criminal justice term, exigent circumstances. The definition, pressing, like a pressing emergency-driven matter or a demanding matter. In law, exigent circumstances refer to situations that demand unusual or immediate action, and this allows people to circumvent usual procedures. Make sure that your mentee understands the order of operation and has fine-tuned their DEFCON chart. They need to know what an emergency is and what can wait a couple of days. They need to be able to triage important matters first and know what can wait until another day. Developing grand habits is over half of the proverbial battle for your mentee. Couple of quotes. I sure am quote happy. I absolutely F-stars am, and I stand by that. It seems to me that if you or I must choose between two courses of thought or action, we should remember our dying and try to live, for our death brings no pleasure on the world. John Steinbeck. This is very personal for me because of all the time I spent in my last apartment at my former white-collar company, the one thing that I will take to my grave with a smile on my face is that I gave coaching my all. Was I paid more for coaching? Was I given more perks or a plethora of meritorious glass-encrusted awards? No, I did that more or less on my own time. But that coaching is what gave me a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction. I coached as though every day was going to be my last. The interesting thing about coaching is that you have to trouble the comfortable and comfort the troubled. Rick Charlesworth. Coaching others. For me, coaching was my nirvanic nook, my sublime shrine, my blissful bastion. That output and coaching exertions fell under the purview of my job description, sure, but just because it was encapsulated in my bullet point bailiwick does not mean I was afforded a satisfactory amount of time to pursue that workplace pleasure. I had to squeeze it in, like my finger into a Chinese finger trap. I had to squeeze it into my time because I was so inundated with other nonsensical work. Helping others. It worked for Mother Teresa. It wields an oddly effective power on turning your white-collar frown upside down. It is eerie. It is almost otherworldly in its rewarding results when you are in the gratifying grip of coaching others to their own success. For the success does not end at their achievements. It doubles back 
to your efforts as all roads lead to your contributions. That is a mutually beneficial, healthy, symbiotic living, breathing example of reciprocity if I have ever witnessed one. Here's a nugget for you. Another nickname that I was given by a good buddy Lambro is Coach. For reasons that will forever elude me, I was called Coach. We broached the Wisecom coaching method, and my compadre calls me Coach. He has never unveiled why, but context clues dictate that it is due to my unparalleled coaching style, as I took him under my wing as well. I was able to conjure calm and energizing can F-stars do attitude and wisdom in my coaching regimen. Appreciate that you appreciated it, Lambro. Keep it up. Which brings me to the actual nugget. I had a coach when I was handling claims a long time ago. I was trying to learn how to perform roof inspections. And the cancerous blight of the roof inspection was the contractors, the roofers. These disgusting snakes slithering all around on the ground, slithering up the ladder, just trying to slime and ick their way into your proper insurance-laden reason for being there. They wanted you to replace every roof all the time. They were terrible. They were locusts, destroying crops and everything in their wake. I had this coach on an inspection, and this guy was cool. Name was Jared. This guy was Shaft. Can you dig it? Jules Whitfield from Pulp Fiction. He was the wolf from Pulp Fiction that we all previously talked about. But this guy was so cool. He moved slow. He speaks low. And he was not in a rush for anything, but he was getting his work done. We climb up the roof. We're on the roof. It's a beautiful sunny day. And he's just slowly walking around, kind of lumbering, taking pictures. He took no more pictures than were required. We were not up on that roof one minute longer than it took to mark the damage with chalk and take the photos. At some point, the disgusting roofer, with no manners or social etiquette, he was smoking a cigarette on that roof. Now, I don't care about smoking. I was born with smoke being blown in my face. My mom was so stressed from the birth. And back in that time, people smoked in hospitals. What are you going to do? The fact that he was smoking on a customer's roof with no prior permission. And then he just flicks the lit cigarette on top of the roof. Now, it's not going to cause a fire. Those laminated shingles are designed specifically to withstand that. But it just looks tacky. So we'll just call him the wolf. This wolf trainer snaps a quick picture of the cigarette. And we go on about our business, get off the roof, and then we get in the car. He's in the driver's seat working on his laptop. I'm in the passenger seat working on my laptop. And about every five to six minutes, this disgusting, slithering snake of a contractor waltzes over to the vehicle, taps on the window, and asks for an update. Like, hey, how are things going? Are you going to have that estimate ready yet? Are we, are we going to be able to do this job? And the wolf was just like, I'm still working on it. Bear with me. The contractor keeps coming over. He just keeps tapping away on his laptop. Finally, about 30 minutes later and three visits from the snake later, I look at the wolf and I say, is it really taking that long to write this estimate? And he said, oh no, this claim is actually going to be denied. That's old damage. We are not replacing anything. I already mailed the denial letter to the customer and I've just been working on old work. I've been checking my emails and sending little messages to my friends. That roofer was wasting our time. So now I'm wasting his time. Oh man, I thought that was the epitome James Bond of cool. Finally, the contractor comes over one last time and he breaks the news to the roofer and says, oh yeah, this claim's denied. Roofer gets irate, agitated. Finally, he slides his laptop screen over to the contractor and points at a blown up picture of that cigarette butt that the roofer flicked on the roof with smoke leaving it and says, yeah, well, I've already communicated with the customer, but do you think the customer's gonna appreciate you flicking lit cigarettes on the roof? Roofer got quiet, grumbled, and then left. 
I never saw that coach again, but man, that was what I'm talking about. That strikes to the heart organ of this. I appreciate you wherever you are, Wolf, Shaft, Jules, Whitfield, trainer out there. We broached what it looks like to be a wise, calm coach. That is what my compadre calls me, coach. Wise, calm coaching. What a fulfilling, albeit grossly underexplored component of my former WCC. Silence is hardly gilded, audience, but your rapt attention is James Bond, Sean Connery, Goldfinger style. It is so F-Stars golden. Goldfinger. Fingers made of gold. Man, those songs could have used some better lyrics for the old Sean Connery, James Bond flicks. Just saying. Unwind the daily grind, loyal listeners. Be wise. Remain calm and coach with a plum. Settle in for a whiskey sour or seven. Pry a tattered board game from the creepy, half-door, clown-harboring closet in an upstairs game room or attic and set the board. I'm talking about you, Lambro, with that creepy half-door in your game room upstairs. Terrified me? You need to do a remodel, my good man. Remove it. Play an analog game of yore and force yourself to suffer the head-scratching instructions. Slide outside your zone of shelter and glide into an avant-garde pursuit. I dare you. I double-dog dare you. Ah, Jules Whitfield, played by Samuel L. Jackson in the great pulpy film Pulp Fiction. Say what again? I dare you. I double-dog dare you, mother F-Starser. Say what one more god D F-Stars time. Speaking of Pulp Fiction for the thousandth time, tune in soon, for I will have a comrade, loyal audience member bro, from a different bow. Wham, bam, mother effing cam on Chemohawk Sessions for some Q&A. That is queries and assertions for short. We will converse on all things, ranging from the white collar dollar to the cape and cowl of world's greatest detective. I am so pumped, stoked, and thrilled for my first guest. Stay tuned for chapter 19, white collar, black belt, juice stain to Bruce Wayne, leaving rough whaling for smooth sailing. Chemohawk Podience Sessions with Wham Bam Cam. Falsetto out.